Welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland preview show. It's been a quick turnaround with the Christmas festive fixtures, but Sunderland are heading to Blackpool on New Year's Day on the back of a hugely impressive 4-1 win at Wigan and sit fourth in the league. Can things get even better? Thankfully, we've got one man and a returning guest who can fill us in on if that can happen on Sunday at Bloomfield Road. Welcome to the show yet again for your hat wreck. Matt from the excellent Blackpool blog, Mitch Cook's left foot. How are you, mate? You okay? Uh... Uh, well, I'm surviving. <laughs> or maybe unlike us, who? Let's see. Yeah, well, I'm not going to make any predictions, but it's not looking great. And as I will, I'll, you know, I'll start from the top. While we won four-one last night, and we're on top of the world. Obviously, you got narrowly defeated by Sheffield United. I'll openly admit, obviously, I haven't watched the highlights other than the goals. Um, but the stats say you had more attempts on goal, more possession, and almost a hundred more passes. Does that tell the whole story? And how was the performance? Um, in isolation, the performance wasn't bad, um, but it's it's kind of feels like out of so many games this year, you 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 say, well, in you know, out of context, that's not a bad performance, but we just can't string any results together. Um, we we're on a slight upwards term in term in terms of the quality of performances, but it's not showing in any way in the results. Um, and it just felt last night like Sheffield United sort of switched it on a couple of times, scored, um, and then we manfully flailed at them, sort of like a smaller kid being held away, you know, being held off by a big bully and sort of our arms flailing, <laughs> not really being able to make decisive contact with them, um, and lost again. Yeah, I was going to say. Obviously, it's Sheffield United, and I think if I was to pick out the best teams we've played this season, Burnley and Sheffield United are probably up there. Can you take anything from the fact that it was Sheffield United and it wasn't a terrible performance and you had a bit of a go, or is it just a case of results are the only thing that matters? It doesn't matter who it's against, you need to put a result of uh, a run of results together. Well, and again, it's it's that thing in isolation. Yes, you can. You know, you look at it from the outside. You think, well, that's not a bad result. But it seems that we managed to not quite do enough against whoever we play. You know, you feel like you could, we could play the team that play at the park at the end of my road, and would somehow conspire to not be quite good enough to get the result. You know, we 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 we've, we've played actually very well against some of the bigger teams. Um, we were superb against Burnley, one of our best performances of the season against Burnley. We were tremendous away at Sheffield United. Um, we've gone, you know, we've we've not been embarrassed by any of the bigger sides and we've beaten some of them. But then we go and play Huddersfield or whoever and this is exactly the same outcome. We seem to, you know, we seem to get a very turgid draw or we lose 2-1. So it's it's kind of we seem to we seem to be permanently not quite good enough against whoever we play. I believe my figures are right here, but talk about a run of results. You have put sort of a run of results together in terms of not winning games. I think it's no winning eight. I don't know if you can always put your finger on it because if you know the answer to this, you're going to be managing Blackpool. But in your opinion, what is wrong with Blackpool at the minute? Oh, there's there's more than there's more than one thing. I. I I mean, how long have you got? We could do an entire podcast, and obviously, your your 
listeners aren't going to be that interested. But in the in the long and short of it, we were we were done over in pre-season with with Critchley leaving, you know, managers leave, but he'd he'd very much made lots of noises about it being a long-term project, you know, in it for the long-term four-year contract and so on, walked out on us. Applicants come in, we've shifted our style of play. So we we don't we don't have the same identity that that we had previously, and what we haven't done is invested in the players to to make that work. Um, we've had a dreadful um, summer window. Um, the players we've brought brought in haven't really worked out. We haven't really brought many in either. Um, we brought in a load of kids on loan, and then a couple of permanent signings. Um, one of whom was culpable probably for both goals last night, certainly for one, um, and the other has just vanished, never plays. Um, and so what we've got is Sunderland fans will probably look at our team sheet and go, blimey, they were playing in 2020 or you know 2021, whenever it was we were, we were going up against you in League One for promotion. And you'll recognise a lot of the names. And we've got a lot of triers in there, um, but we're trying to play a more expansive footballing style with players who have have done very well for us, but you know, in a very well drilled, um, sort of counter attacking, quite direct team, now trying to play four three three or or variations therein. Now trying to play football, and we just haven't invested in the footballers to do that. So, you know, if it was as simple as saying, "Oh, we need a striker," or "We need a right back," or it, it, that would give us more optimism but it feels like we need three or four key players but but most notably we need a we need a, a defensive anchor a defensive uh, defensive midfielder an anchor a destroyer type last night we played um again how familiar Sunderland fans are with these players I, I don't know but we played Charlie Patino the kid we've got from Arsenal and probably know we played Sonny Carey who two years ago was playing for Kings Lynn and we played Ian Perveda who we got from Leeds on loan and I genuinely this is how lightweight these these three players are that were in the triangle I genuinely and I'm not saying this for comic effect I genuinely mistook Ian Perveda for the mascot last night that's how flimsy our mad midfield is 21 you know patino's 18 carries 21 pervaders i'm sure exactly 22 and they've probably got about 50 games of league football between them so that that really is if if i had one way of improving the team it would be get a midfielder in with 200 games and a, and a you know a brutal tackle on them who knew how to run a game it's funny you mentioned patino because southern fans will remember patino made his debut literally 11 months ago against us in a 5-1 win for Arsenal and came on like 10 minutes ago and, and scored in the like 90th minute or something. But that's kind of the only reason we'd know of him. And also the song as well, which got quite popular on uh, the old Twitter a couple of months ago. But in terms of uh, Critchley, I wanted to kind of ask maybe a question that's got nothing to do with Blackpool in some ways, but it just it does interest me. Obviously, I live up in uh, Glasgow, Michael Beale made all the same noise as a QPR about the long-term project and then ran after Rangers. I suppose you could say a big club, yada, yada, yada. The Critchley one was even weirder because he went from being the number one to Stephen Gerrard, obviously ex-Rangers manager as well. And then that didn't work out. But then I find it really interesting that QPR have appointed Critchley. Um, I don't know if you've spoken on the QPR podcast, but are you surprised that they let Michael Beale go, who obviously they're going to see is unloyal and got in someone who probably was even less loyal at Blackpool? Um, yeah, a little bit. I spoke to um, Loft for Words um, blog mm-hmm. 
for it. Um, a little bit, yeah. And it was interesting where um, they were sort of, when the news broke, I, I made a little sardonic comment on Twitter about, well, at least, you know, at least... Um, at least Beale never cried when you won a game and said how much he loved you. And, you know, because Critchley really used to give it the whole, this is a special club, this means the world to me, you know. And and he's, he's sort of, he did it so often and for so long that you do fall for it and then obviously jump ship. And I got short thrift from QPR fans going, oh, you damn, no, it's, no, it's nothing the same. And actually then I wrote a piece for them when, um, when they appointed Critchley. And quite a lot of them were surprised actually that they'd that they'd got a fella in. I don't think they'd fully understood the circumstances in which Critchley left Blackpool. Um and I think, you know, you can ask why did he leave Blackpool? And obviously money will be part of it. But I think the problem is that I get a sense that what's happened with us is we've we've had a you know we've had two years of real positive forward movement obviously we got promoted and then we we finished higher than i think most people expected we got some great results last year and i think really under behind the scenes critchley's hoped to get you know a different class of players in and maybe start moving us up the table further sort of aiming for that top half you know maybe sneaking a playoff run and i think the, what the board have said is no, 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 no. It's consolidation. We're, we're looking to stay in this division and nothing more. And I think that's probably been under, underneath why Critchley's gone. Um, and I think it's been behind a lot of the problems at the beginning of the season. I think we've been a little bit, um, what's the word? Uh, we've, take, we've taken our status in this division a little bit for granted. Um, and... I mean, I think Critchley will probably do a reasonable job at QPR and I don't think he'll be stupid enough to jump ship again. You touch about a midfield destroyer and now Sunderland fans are going to laugh here. Um, but one player that we signed, God, not on 10 years ago now, and had the best debut or one of the best debuts I've ever seen and never played well ever again, joined you in the summer. Liam Bridcut, I oh, can't yeah. see him. Where Where is he? Well, Brid, we, we've got... We've got, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kevin Stewart, who used to, his ex-Liverpool player. We've got Kevin Stewart, who is a genuine championship, arguably, on his day, a, a lower Premier League class player. I think a fit Kevin Stewart would probably turn out for Southampton or somebody. Um, and Stewart is a sort of, he's, the word Kevin Stewart is a, is a trigger word for Blackpool fans because he's played about eight games in two years and he's just constantly injured. Um, and sort of constantly doing anything but football. And we obviously signed Liam Bridcut to be a replacement for Kevin Stewart as that intelligent, experienced, battling midfield head. But what it seems to have worked out as is we've just signed a second Kevin Stewart now. So Liam Bridcut has become a trigger word. So the trauma of Liam Bridcut never being available just brings up the thought that, that in fact, Kevin Stewart is never available. So I can only assume that we've signed him to have a, a mate of a similar age to sit on the treatment table with. Um, he looked good for... Um, two or three games he played. He seemed to give us that experience, you know, run the game, point, shout, tell the young lads what to do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not angry in any way at our young lads. have been admirable. We re they really have. They've worked the socks off, but they, they don't know how to run a football game. And then he just disappeared, injured, as I think anybody looking at, at Bridcut's record over the last three years could tell you. I think he's played about 20 games in three seasons. Mm -hmm. Kelsey Crazy comes to us and he's, I think he started three games maybe out of, 14, 15, he could have started. And then we top that off. Again, this this just illustrates how poor our um, 
season has been. We topped that off by after Bridcup went out injured, we we re-signed Grant Ward. Now we let Grant Ward go in summer, and Michael Appleton said in public, I do not want Grant Ward. We will not be re-signing Grant Ward. Come November, we're on about our 11th midfielder. And lo and behold, in on a free transfer walks Grant Ward, a player who the manager said he doesn't want. And and that, that's where we've been at with recruitment. You know, it's been it's been terrible. And I've actually, I said to you last time I was on, I've heard seen Sunderland fans moaning on social media a little bit, or I certainly had done before the window had closed about their recruitment. And you really do not know half of it. I look at your squad and think, I know your defence is a bit shaky, but I look at your squad and I just think, I would I would cut off my fingers for that squad. Yeah, I mean, looking back to the time, yeah, there's been plenty of times I've moaned. At the present time in six months, I'm delighted with every single player just about we brought in. Um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about um, Appleton. I think, I don't know from the outside looking in, I'm really close friends with a, a LinkedIn fan, um, Tom Clark. He really liked him. There's been other fans that have, have liked him. He's, he's done a relatively decent job, but obviously I've I've known you for a few years. I've known Tom for a few years, known the Seasiders pod for a few years. So you see things on Twitter after like the the championship games, and gradually a lot of it, in some ways, from you know some fan bases, talk about the manager and Blackpool. I keep seeing the name Appleton pop up. How are fans feeling about Appleton six months into the job? Is this got anything to do with him? Has he been hamstrung, or is he kind of part of the problem? Well, I think it's both. I mean, if you ask, ask Tom, who we both know quite well, Tom yeah. would sort of tell you that he's, you know, Tom's very Appleton now, very anti-Appleton. I think I'm somewhere in the, in the middle. He has been hamstrung, but he's not been helped by a stubborn, stubborn insistence on playing the Michael Appleton way with, without the players to do it. Um I like some of what he's trying to do. I, you know, I, you can't deny that Critchley did well for us, but we were a very, we could be a very tough watch at times. You know, we we would sometimes set out to just close a game down, to ruin a game and pinch a goal. Um, and I don't really like playing that way. And Appleton has, you know, really tried to address that. It's unthinkable that we would have started with the, at least on paper, the creativity that we've got in the team. Um, with Critchley there, he sort of preferred playing cement mixes in midfield um, and Appleton would rather have a bit more of a sort of a ballet dancer type there. And on paper, I like that, but it has just been, he's got a, he's got a character that if you look at it generously, you'd say, well, he's very honest and he doesn't pull his punches, but he also really doesn't choose his words very well. And it's ended up being, you know, it's ended up being, there's been a few chants, there's been a few boos, and there's ended up being a bit of a war of words through the newspapers. And and it's, it, it just doesn't feel the right fit. I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that it feels like somebody who turned up and interviewed very well for the wrong job. Mm. I, I feel like he probably would do a good job somewhere else or even possibly would have done a good job maybe with us had he had he had a proper transfer window and and had it been more of a uh, sort of a planned change of style but ultimately i think i think what's happened with us is i don't think the board have fully really understood what it means going from a 442 that set up in a very defensive way that relies essentially on the fact that josh bowler was forgive my French, fucking brilliant. <laughs> you know, that, that was, that was, that was 
our key tactic, keep it tight and Josh Bowler will murder you because he's class. To be in a, a, a footballing team playing 4-3-3. Now, I think, on you know, if you're not really, you know, into the details of it, that's not that big a deal. You look at Appleton and go, oh, he's quite, he's a bit like Critchley. He likes young players. He's a, he's a good coach. You know, he's a bit, hey, this might be really good. He's an experienced Critchley. But his football philosophy, the way he puts sets up the team is so different. And I don't really think they've understood the transition that that requires within, within our squad. Because we've got loads of players who, who are, you know, we love them because they work very hard but they're not very good, you know, they're just not. And and that's why we played the way we did. And that's why Critchley got what he got out of them because he was pragmatic. And Appleton, it, it, there's just not pragmatism there, if you like. There's idealism and it's stubborn idealism and it's not going down well because we're losing game after game after game after game, you know. And I think, as I say, Tom would tell you, Appleton now just, he'd have said that a month ago, I can't. I can't see it turning round. But the board are going to give him January. That's going to happen. And and who knows? You know, we might get three players in. And but I, it just feels like you can tell. You can tell all the way through the podcast. It just feels like League One. Here we come. A little bit. I think um, the, the the big one for me with Appleton. I read that he. I can't remember which game it was. I think it was the game before Sheffield United. I wouldn't say he refused to clap the fans, but he didn't clap the fans and then backed it up. And that seemed to kind of blow it even further in the water. What, what happened there? Yeah, so I was there. He was at, We were at Hull. We actually played quite well against Hull, um, who had rubbish. Um, but we managed to get a 1-1 draw because we did what we've done all season. We got a player sent off. I think we've had six or seven sending offs this year. And they just... And we... we it's just us. We shoot ourselves in the foot. But we battled and, and actually were the best team, 10 men. End of the game, players come over, you know, away fans, lots of applause, singing a few songs. You know, you can't complain about the effort they've put in. Um, and Appleton doesn't come over. So the, so the, we, we all give him a where is Michael Appleton, Appleton chant. Um, and then in the press conference, he says, well, what do you want me to do? You know, I go over, I get booed. I don't go over, I get chants. You know, I make I don't make a sub, I'm an idiot. I do make a sub, I just get people, you know, screaming down my neck saying, What are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. I can't win with this fan base. You know, what do you want me to do? And again, I you can't really deny that there's some truth in what he said, but it's just the lad is I he's on his what fifth, sixth club with us, you know. I mean, he obviously was with us um 2012, if memory serves, I can't remember, 2011, 2012, but he took over from Holloway when he went. You know, he's been on that merry-go-round a long time. Um, and he's managing some really precious situations. He was at Portsmouth when they were when they were um, imploding. You know, he's he's not, he, he's been through the Blackburn ringer when, when the Venkies were, you know, he's not a man that's not inexperienced. And it's just, you don't, you don't say that. You, you, you say something, you say something like, you know, obviously, I'm deeply grateful for the support of the fans today. Our magnificent fans are our 12th man, and I just wanted the players to take the credit. You know, I'm aware that I'm not flavour of the month with everybody in the fan base, but they pay their money. They can have their say. That's fine. It's part of my job, and I just wanted to make sure the players got the credit and got the applause they deserved. And, and you know, you say that and everyone moves on. You don't start moaning about, oh, the fans, you know, the fans have got it in for me. And, and he should know that because he's he's been doing this job for 12, 13 years, you know? 
Oh, hi, a pressure situation to touch on there as well. In, in many ways, you're right. He's, he's really experienced, but it does feel like just from the outside looking in, that's too far gone and it's just a matter of time, if I'm completely honest. And I could yeah, be yeah. wrong. That's, 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 I mean, that's the feeling in the sort of, I, I've stuck, stuck with him. What's the word? I, I, I'm always, I always believe in giving a manager time, you know, and I, I, fi- I feel some sympathy for him. We've had a horrendous run of injuries. We've had terrible uh, luck with referees sending offs and so on and so forth. Um, he's not had a proper transfer window. You know, last summer was messed up in multiple ways. The manager leaving the board, setting the budget too low fundamentally. And I always think, well, you know, a manager needs six months, nine months, you know, you can't, ju- but, but even I have just feeling like it's just set into a pattern where, every, like I said at the beginning, every week we turn up, we try quite hard. You think for 10 minutes, oh, we're going to do it this week. And then we shoot ourselves in the foot somehow um, and then at the end of the game, everybody goes, well, we we're a bit unlucky, weren't we? And it's just week after week after week. And, and and I'm at that point where I'm not, you know, I'm not in the mob outside the boardroom demanding his head on a plate, but, you know, if and when they announce that he's gone, I equally will think, right, okay, probably for the best, let's move on, you know. Yeah, it feels like that if I'm honest. Look, and all I've seen that queue, queue is getting beat on New Year's Day, no one else, but... Um... <laughs> I think regular listeners, like I say, will, will remember your voice and know that you were on in the summer to discuss um, Dan Ballard, who, of course, was on loan to use a couple of seasons ago. Unfortunately, Dan broke his foot within about three games, I think it was, and, and spent the best part out. He's now back. He's looked like he's never left. Um, and a few weeks later, after we spoke, obviously, we brought in Ellis Sims, who first really made his name at, at Blackpool. And whilst he's not always the flavour of the month, his stats are ridiculous and he's been in good form since he's came back. But... Um, from the time of Blackpool, how highly do you rate them both? And are you surprised at how well they're doing at Sunderland? Uh, no, I'd say uh, Ballard, as I said, you know, he's, he's, he's a player with maturity beyond his years. I mean, obviously a bit older now than when we were with him, but he just came straight in at 20 and looked like he'd been playing centre-half in League One for, you know, seven, eight years. I like Dan Ballard a lot. Um, and Sims, what you've just said sums up his time at Blackpool. I actually thought he was useless for about the first five games. I gave him a load of stick. I was like, well, who is this guy? You know, we bought him because Gary Medine was, or we got him alone because Gary Medine was injured. And say what you like about Medine, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to play that big man role. And he's, he's sort of technically really quite silky for a big lad and all of that. And Sims was just kind of running around looking, looking completely lost with the ball bouncing off his elbows and, 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 and knees. And I thought, who is he? He's hopeless. He's absolutely hopeless. And then suddenly, bang, it, we start. We worked out how to play him, which is the ball over the shoulder and him on the turn. And he's bloody lethal because he's big and he's quick and he'd be barreling through against defenders and he's got a hell of a shot on him. He's a really, really calm finisher. And suddenly, he looked like the best striker we'd had in, in a long, long time. Um, and... The performance he put in in our playoff semi against Oxford, it was the away game, was possibly the best performance. Well, maybe not the best because we've got DJ Campbell at Forest, but one of the best performances I've ever seen from a Blackpool striker. He was ridiculous. He was just lethal. And you could see suddenly, you could see in these spells, in these flashes, in these games here and there, you could see this is why Everton have still got him. You know, because at first he just looked like that archetypal Premier League kid who was going to go into a real game and struggle. 
And then, bang, you'd get this moment, you think, oh, no, no, there's more to him here. And it took us a while, actually, I think, to work out how to play with him. And the mistake we made was we tried to use him like Gary Medine, which was a really big mistake because he's not actually that good as a hold-up player. But but sort of, the it's that, it's that ball over the shoulder and he's brilliant at turning defenders. And once he's done that, he's away and he'll score nine times out of 10 in those situations. So, so yeah, Sims, I think we all rated him highly um, and I rated him highly and, and probably the similar experiences as, as you've had with him where he's not 100% spot on every week, but he's very good at what he does. Yeah, I, I think there'll be something fantastic at that and saying the same, I think. Because of his sheer size, his natural unit, um, I think people assume he's going to be this guy that can hold it up. And obviously we had 11, I think 11 games or 13 games without him and 13 games without Ross Stewart. And obviously Ross is just brilliant at everything. Um, it's just he deserves everything in the world, to be honest, Ross Stewart. But Ellis is very different. And I think a lot of the time we expect him to be like a target man because of his sheer size. And he's actually not a very good target man. Um, no, no. He's a finisher. It's simply put, and I think he's. I read a stat yesterday. It's not perfect, and I haven't. I'm not going to Google it. Um, but I believe he's had like ten shots on target. And he scored six goals or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, right place, right time sort of player. But um, I don't want to say that because I've just said about Ross Stewart and how much I love Ross Stewart and everyone loves Ross Stewart. But yesterday, another Blackpool player linked with us was Jerry Yates with Keith Downey from Sky Sports saying, "If God forbid Ross Stewart was to leave in January, Yates would be the person that we would look at." I don't think anyone wants Ross Stewart to leave, but whilst I've got you, you know, if hell does freeze over and, and Ross does leave, what type of player would we be getting in Jerry Yates? Well, you'd be getting anything but Ross Stewart. Um, That's what I better, feel. Yeah. Better off putting a cheeky 10 million bid in for Gary Medine than Jerry Yates. Um, I'm trying to think of a player to reference. I can't think of a Sunderland player. Um, I don't know if your your um, listeners will remember Brett Ormrod, who, who played for us. He's Yates. He's a bit bit Brett Ormrodish on his day. He runs and he runs and he runs. He, he presses very hard. He's skillful. Um, he's not lightning, but he's reasonably quick. Um, he's got a, he's got plenty of tricks on him, um, and he's got a very very good finish when he's in form. Um, so he. he he scored a, a brilliant set of goals against, I think it was Sheffield United, where he was a right foot volley on sort of a cross ball, ball across the box, smashed it on his right foot. And then in 10 minutes later, ball from the other side, smashed it home with his left foot. Um, but he's, he's, he's nothing like Ross Stewart at all. Um, he's a form player, absolutely a form player. Like he went on a mad hot streak with us, obviously league one. He's, I mean, he's one of the crucial reasons why we got promoted. He was superb. He scored 22, 23 goals in the league one promotion season, but he didn't score for about the first 12, 13 games. We thought we'd signed a dud because he just couldn't find the back of the net. Um, and um, this year he smashed nine goals in feels like about nine games. And then he's done nothing for the last, five or six games and did very little at the beginning of the season as well. So he's very much a form player, but he's all effort, all pressing, sort of little whip it, very skillful. And he's, he's a lethal finisher when he's on form, but yeah, nothing like Stuart, but he did play very well with Ellis Sims when he was here because what they sort of worked out between them, because what, as I said before, we, we, we tried to play Yates off Medine. Uh, sorry, Yates off Sims as if he was Gary Medine. But what we ended up doing really was kind of having Jerry drop deep and and sort of linking play and Sims 
running and he's good enough to do that you know he's good enough to come deep and and play football as well as sort of run onto balls and he sort of turned more of a provider really for sims than than Nathan, the two of them work quite well together. They played some quite nice football up front once they got on each other's wavelength. Um, I'd I'd be surprised if we sold him because it would be a, I think it would be quite an unpopular move from a board that, uh, you know, we don't hate our board, but there's certainly... I think they're certainly aware that it's been a rocky season. I think they're certainly aware that they they need they need a few points in the bag um, in the popularity stakes. And I think selling Yates would be a, a surprising move. Yeah, if you wanted to chuck six million quid out, as maybe. But I think for the you know I don't know one point five two million or something that you'd imagine. So that seems to be about how much you're 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 paying for people. I'd be surprised. It'll be a, I said yesterday, I find it would be a strange move. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen for the sheer fact that it looks like we're only going for him if Ross goes. And I don't think Ross is replaceable, but that's something that I said in about every podcast since about last January. Um, but for me, we don't really pay fees for players over the age of, well, 24 or over, uh, or 24 and under is the only kind of money we spend on players. And I think he's he's 26 and we were linked to him a few years ago before he went to Blackpool, I think when he was at yeah. Rotherham. Yeah, he was at Rotherham and he, he he never really broke through at Rotherham, but he had a brilliant season on loan at Swindon, which is what what put him on the radar. And he he played on the the I was gonna say the other thing he can do is he can play off the off the flank, so he can play wide in a front three, which is what he's been doing for us this year. Um with mixed results. Some games he gets completely lost, other games he's played that role really well. Um and that's what he did for Swindon. He was in their side when they went up from um when they won the uh, League One Championship with Richie Wellens. Yes, that's right. I do remember that. League Two, sorry. League Two, that's right. Um, in reference to, obviously, the players we've discussed, we've discussed Ellis Sims, we've discussed Dan Ballard, players that actually didn't play in the previous game when we drew nil-nil, which, to be fair, when I go back and think of the um, the Blackpool game at home, that was like the one game where I was like, oh, God, we're missing strikers. And I really felt it. I think it was our second nil-nil draw at home in a week. Um, so it's hard to kind of judge something in that game compared to what you've maybe got now but I'm aware we've been on TV an awful lot I'm aware that you're probably going to be fearing any former players just like Sunderland fans do but from what you've seen as Sunderland who are the players that you think can particularly damage Blackpool where are you most weak and, and which players have impressed you the most when you've, you've managed to catch us on the, the telly box uh, well I, I, you see I'm not a subscriber to Sky so I haven't I haven't really caught much Sunderland um, so um, I, I do funnily enough I do read a couple of Sunderland blogs um, and uh, and uh, it seems as if Stuart is the player that everybody you know the, the, I read one of your bloggers a lot I would really like I like um, Sean who does SA, SAFC blog um, he's very funny um, and you know he he's absolutely in in absolute agreement with you that Stu, it's Stuart or bust a lot of the time. You know it's it's mm-hmm. he's the absolute key player. Um, I'm trying to think from back from that game that we had. There was one of your players who really impressed me. Who was he was like um, sort of a creative midfield type. It obviously wasn't Embleton who I know. But you Roberts. Had a, you had a, say again. Was it Roberts? Patrick Roberts? It might have been, yeah, yeah, it might have been. And he sort of buzzed around and kind of sort of chipped little balls forward and played that kind of quarterback role. And he really looked like he knew what he was doing. Is he the um, X-Man City lad? 
Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He impressed me. I mean, he looked like a player with an obvious technical quality to him. I mean, how how much his applications there, I don't know, because he looked he looked he looks almost a bit like um Megidio was looked for you, where you'd go, Wow, he's a real player. And then you think there must be something wrong if he's playing for them, if that makes sense. You know, no offense to Sunderland, but he just looked a level above the rest of the team, and you always go, Well, is is he 19 and on the way up? No, he's not. He's 26 or whatever he is, 25, 24. And you think, well, why, why is he there? So I don't know if there is a fundamental flaw with him, but yeah, I like I like the look of I like the look of him. So and and oh, you had a, you had a young you had a young kid, I think, who came on. Um, Twinetti. It probably yeah, and he he was he was he was a very lively. And I thought, yeah, he looks a good player. Um, and you impressed me in general. I don't think you were particularly on it that game, but you mm. had some moments where you just really used the ball nicely. You made the pitch wide, um, and you, you sort of went off the boil after a while. I think what was I think what happened against us was that you didn't get the goal. We sort of clung on. We were dreadful first half. We were really, really bad. And I think the players got a bit edgy. The, the sort of the stadium got a bit frustrated. And you, you went into your shells a bit, but I was very impressed with the football you played in the first half, certainly, and for quite long spells. You were just calm. You were patient with the ball. You were very Tony Mo, uh, Tony Mowbray. You know, when he when he's turned out good teams, they play that sort of nice, patient, calm football with quite a lot of movement and lots of skillful players. Um, and you could see that, you know, again, from what I've read on Sunderland, it seems like Mowbray's doing a pretty good job. I mean, I... I was very sceptical of the appointment and yeah, I'm not going to, I think that's one moment about six weeks ago where I've seen a few red flags and they've turned into green flags or, or whatever flags, colours that says it's okay, he's fine. Um, and the football we're playing is, yeah, it's it's stunning at times. Um, we were yeah. played wonderful football last night, but um, I know he's second bottom, but there is the cliche as it goes, no easy games in the championship. And obviously, Two games, three games in a couple of days. We've won the last two. What I have took seven from the next from those like three games. Blackpool at home, uh, sorry, Blackburn at home, Blackpool away, Wigan away. Yes, I want to win, but I'm gonna prediction wise, which I never get right. But I'll say one one. Uh, well, it could be one one. It'll be you know. I feel like you'll beat us two one, and it won't be an easy game but we just keep falling short of what we need. And I just think you've got the firepower up front. We always give chances. You know, we, we, we've we lost the... We can't grind out games based on a defence. That's a recipe for disaster. So we will go forward and that will give you a chance and you've got you've got finishes, you know. Um, so I, I think you'll win 2-1. Our, our season is a 2-1 defeat. That's what it is. Most important thing to remember is those I have bought a ticket and I am going. So of course we probably won't win for my for my sake. I'm, I am a bit of a jinx down again. But um Matt, obviously you do great stuff blog wise. And um, there'll be people that I want to read up a little bit more. I know there's a lot of people like looking at the opposition stuff and kind of updating themselves on what's going on in the championship. Where can we find your stuff? Where can we find you on Twitter and whatnot? Uh, probably the easiest is at Cooks Left. Um as in Mitch Cook's left foot, who is a legendary ex-Blackpool left back. That's probably the easiest way to find me. You can find that on Facebook and Instagram as well. I won't give you the blog URL because it's a right mouthful because I've been too dingy to pay for a, um, a proper um, 
redirects to the blogger site. So yeah, through Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Cooks Left. Said that like a right blagging media pro. They didn't, they didn't. <laughs> like, share, subscribe, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think I think we we did a quick and probably one last night. I think I said like, share, subscribe, shove it up your ass, do what you want. So I'll say the same again. Um, like, share, subscribe, shove it up your ass, do what you want. Uh, Matt, always got to chat to you, mate. I hope you will uh, have a great new year. Apart from obviously on the day at three o'clock or twelve, whenever we get three o'clock kickoff. Yes, three o'clock kickoff. Oh, yeah, um, apart from that, though, mate, have a great 2023, and thanks for popping on as always. Absolute pleasure, Graham. You too. All the best. Cheers, mate.